live in a world that struggles with feeling busy and overwhelmed. At the same time, us mamas want to feel we're living intentionally and with purpose. At the end of the day, you won't have to sit worn out on the couch feeling like it all just wasn't enough. Here, you'll find the tools to slow it down, nurture your own goals, and live restored. Each week, we have real-life conversations about motherhood, work, relationships, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Jen Brazil. Welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Unhurried Life. I am Jen Brazil, your host, and I am so excited that June is upon us and we are doing something special with June. This is the decluttering, organizing, simplifying month. It does not get any better than this. Figuring out practical tips, things that you can do with littles at home when summer is here and heat is a real factor in parts of the world to be able to declutter, to simplify and to organize having a space and a life that is simplified and decluttered is such a gift. Speaking of gifts, I have my own organization challenge going on and it has to do with photos. I know that you have a phone more than likely. That's what you're listening to this on. And if you click over to your little album with all your photos, there might be a little creeping feeling of overwhelm coming up upon you because you got a lot of photos and they may or may not be backed up. They may or may not be systematized, but I have a challenge to help you organize your photos. It's a five day challenge and we go deep. This is going to be creating a legacy for your kids with memories that they will just absolutely love you for. So to join that challenge, you can go into the notes of this podcast and click on the link, or you can go to jbrazil.com slash OYPC. That's jbrazil.com OYPC organize your photos challenge and join me there. Now let's talk about Pinterest because I'm pretty sure you have a board titled my dream house just like me and we love pinning beautiful spaces there but what if that dream house pin board was actually your real house? That is something that we're going to talk about right now with Michelle Du. She gives us some awesome tips that we can implement and start going with. Why am I still talking? Let's chat with her. She's the expert. Welcome. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Jen. How's it going? Good. Good. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing really great so far. So good, but it's 10 a.m. <laughs> And I, I see that you have coffee in your hand. I, too, have it now an empty cup almost. I'm usually a two-cup kind of girl, at least. So what was your major at a It was actually RPTS, Rec and Parks. But my emphasis was youth development. And so I changed majors multiple times. We all did. But my plan was to do youth nonprofit work. And I did that for about five years out of school. Okay. So then where and how and when did you switch to design? I was working for a nonprofit, a CASA organization, advocating for youth in the foster care system and particularly youth aging out of the foster care system. It was heavy work. It was just heavy. <laughs> I brought home a lot of that secondary drama and I was honestly pretty burned out at like 25, which is really something to be burned out at 25. I think I started thinking that I could be a superhero and save the world and save all the children. And, and you know, that breaks down at some point. And I was just in a season of being really burned out. And then I had some personal stuff come up, some personal trauma and mental health issues come out of like a traumatic event. And it was during that time that I realized I need to take care of myself 
before I could take care of anybody else. I left my job in the nonprofit sector with plans of going back. Like I had every intention of coming back to the nonprofit world and even to youth and foster care. But I knew that I needed to take some space and get well and that I wouldn't be able to serve anyone else if I wasn't well. And so I took some time off just trying to figure out what to do next and get well. And it was actually during that season that my hobby of design became a paid hobby. So people knew that I was working less and they were like, Hey, could I pay you to come do this? And it sounded fun. It sounded life-giving and it sounded healing. And I really honestly was like, you're going to pay me for this. That sounds amazing. And so it was also during that time of healing that I realized how much my space mattered. What I surrounded myself with really, really mattered. And just to be fully transparent, I was working for that nonprofit And I actually went on a cruise with some girlfriends to get away from work, (laughs) like to just take was like my first adult vacation, take a break, check out from all the difficulty of work and the stress and the stories and all of that. And I had kind of met this milestone at my job, like finished my first graduation of youth. And so I went on a cruise with some girlfriends and on like the third or fourth day that I was on the cruise, I was actually sexually assaulted by two men. And I came back home and my life just turned upside down. I had severe PTSD and just a lot came from that that affected me in ways that I really had never imagined an assault even would. And so it took me about two years to even really be myself again, to be able to really put one foot in front of the other and like trust the everyday person again and to be well and to know myself and to know others and really to feel like I had something to offer again. And so it was during that time that I realized how much healing and wellness and life is about what I surround myself with and that that it all had to be intentional, that healing had to be intentional. And so that's actually when I like started researching like toxin-free living and eliminating things from my diet and sleep patterns and mindful meditation and yoga and like all these things. So I was in a place of like wanting healing so much that I was like, I'll do whatever I can about setting my outside space up in a way that will heal me internally. That's kind of a long-winded answer to how I got into design was just setting up my outer spaces in a way that would heal me internally. And then also enjoying doing that for other people and realizing interior design and home organization impacts our internal state so, so much that it kind of became this blend of my work in the nonprofit world and wanting to help others and take taking that into a design perspective. And so when I go into someone's home, I'm not thinking at all about, are you up to trend? Are you with the designer brands? It's about what's serving your family well, what's not serving your family right now, what's helping you live a healthy lifestyle and what's prohibiting that about your physical space. Yeah, I love that. Come on over, come over. (laughs) You bet. But what a beautiful way. I know that's not the way you would have written your story, but what an amazing way to kind of go through that transformation and find that out. I just love that, that you said your outer space is what's going to set yourself up for healing internally. That is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, all of our stories shape us and make us who we are. And yeah, a lot of times it's not the story we would have written, but now living it, I wouldn't unwrite it. You know, I wouldn't go back and be like, well, can I have a different story to get to this ending? Because I wouldn't be who I am. And even just the ability, Jen, to like be in people's homes and know 
that everyone's dealing with something, you know, if someone's house is chaotic and crazy, like there's not judgment there, there's empathy and compassion of what can I do to help alleviate some of the external pressure, because there's something going on internally that I may or may not be aware of. Are you completely overwhelmed with the thought of organizing all of your photos, but you know that it needs to be done because these are sweet, precious moments and memories that are just floating around in digital space or in closets? Well, don't worry. I've got your back. I have a five-day challenge to organize your photos, and it is starting as soon as you click on it. Come join in. Go to jbrazil.com slash oy. PC. Again, that's jbrazil.com slash OYPC and hop in that challenge with me today. I can't wait. We are going to tackle this together. What's your process when you walk into a house? Like you said, someone's house is chaotic, which hello, we have three children now. And although I love it and my kids are huge blessings and so much fun, there are still times when from the outside, people are like, wow, really? That's the way you live? (laughs) You're okay with that? But okay, what's your process when you walk into someone's house to kind of start helping them go through the process of cultivating a space? Yeah, so usually how it starts is someone reaching out and saying, I want my space to feel better. I'm an interior decorator and personal organizer, which I thought would be super common because they seem so hand in hand to me, but I haven't found many other people that do both. Tell me what is the difference? Yeah, so a personal organizer is typically someone who would come in and help you declutter and create systems in your home. So like help you put things in plastic bins and label things and organize your kitchen and help you let go of things. Whereas a decorator would never look inside your drawers or like open up your closet. A decorator comes in and would help you choose fabrics and furnishings and rugs and curtains. Whereas an organizer would never tell you what couch to buy. So what I do is both. And because my approach is a much more holistic one in, I don't care just about how the inside of your cabinets look, which I think matters and not how they look, but how they function. And like, have you set up your life for a a more seamless approach to like cooking, you know, for instance, or getting dressed in the morning and organization and decluttering and simplifying helps with all of that. But then I also equally believe that the way we set up our spaces visually affects us as well. And so what colors you have in your home and what fabrics and textures and how much light and life and you have live plants, all of those things I think really affect us as well. So back to kind of my approach, typically someone reaches out and has one or the other or both needs. So I've had people reach out and be like, we're just kind of swimming in clutter and I don't really know where to start. And, you know, there's usually some instigator, like we're having a third baby or a second baby or a first baby, and we need this room cleaned out. And it's just overwhelming. I look at this room and this closet, and it's just become our junk room or closet. And I don't even know where to start. And then typically, though, there's a reward at the end. That's what I found, too, is people don't just want an organized closet. They want a space that they love. And the organization is kind of just a part to get there if that makes sense. For instance, one I did the other day was a woman who's having her second baby and 
you know, they needed to clean out baby number one's closet to make space for, it was like this, you know, Tetris game of like moving stuff around in the house to make space for baby number two, (laughs) move the guest room. So it was cleaning out a closet, but then the kind of carrot at the end was she wanted the baby's boy's room to be decorated as well. And so that was kind of the treat at the end, but we couldn't just throw everything in a closet and decorate baby boy's room. It was like, have to get rid of this furniture. You have to read it, you know, move this, all the Tetris. And so kind of how it works is I would come into someone's home and say, what's working? What's not? That's kind of my number one question. What's currently working here and what's not? Because usually there are things that are working. We love that we can have guests come and stay and sleep in this room, but what's not working is when baby boy comes, you know, we want to have a space for someone to come stay, but we also want him to have his own room. And so it kind of starts with this, what's working, what's not. And we talk through the process of how their family operates. So if I was working on say your living room, I'd ask lots of inquisitive questions about what do you want your home to do for you? Like, what do you need your home to do for you? And you might say, well, we host 20 people every Wednesday night for our small group, or, you know, we have a large family and we do family dinners every Thursday night. And we want to be able to see 20 people in this room because that's our extended family every week. It might be my husband's a lawyer and we actually have to host his formal business gatherings once a quarter. And I need my house to look professional and presentable, you know? So asking questions to see what the need of the family and what the home is, and then going from there. What the family needs really determines everything. What kind of textures we choose, what kind of furnishings we choose, whether you need a coaster in your home or not, all that kind of stuff. Whether your rugs are entirely washable. (laughs) So... Okay, so tell me, you you had said earlier, decluttering and creating systems to let go of things. How would you kind of, in a nutshell, create a system to maybe declutter a closet, like a junk closet? I have an ebook that I created that's kind of about creating a space of intention, cultivating a space of intention. And whatever your intention is, really being able to get that. And there's kind of four steps in the process to do that. And the first step is to declutter and let go. I think the proper term is simplify. And then the second step is to create systems. So the first step is really about having less. So purging, letting go. So I'll tell you a little bit about that process and what I recommend. But then the second step is to create systems with what you have left. And systems are things like a coat rack where you come in the front door, like a drop zone or getting all of the same hangers so that your clothes hang well and aren't all up and down and space saving, you know, and drawer inserts and tubs for things you're not using or wearing like that. Those are systems, if that makes sense. So for the first process, though, the first step in simplifying kind of my process is, I mean, I definitely take tips from the KonMari method. I think she's a little crazy and I think she does things a little extreme, but I think she has great overall tips, you know, so I kind of take it with a grain of salt and do some of her methods. So I do recommend taking everything out of its current space which feels really overwhelming. But say you're working on a coat closet at the front of your house, you know, where you maybe collect things like more than coats, right? It's your kids' toys. It's stuff to return. It's stuff to take to the cleaners. It's crafts. It's chalk and things that you have thrown in there coming in from outside. So I would take everything out of the closet and bring it into another space. Maybe it's your dining room table or your living room, someplace that 
it's going to give you motivation to finish the project. Whereas if you're just combing through the closet, you're just going to close the door and ignore it for another six months. Does that make sense? So, but if you take all of that stuff out and it's on your dining room table, then you're going to have to finish it before your family can eat dinner at the table, right? So I recommend taking everything out, sorting through it and touching each item, like really assessing with what each item is and seeing whether it's something you still need or not. So the difference in like kind of thumbing through your clothes in your closet, you're going to just assume you need everything. So taking everything out, assessing each item and really contemplating whether it's something you're going to use again, you love, you need, does it fit one of those categories? And then I often have people ask about like, well, what if I'm going to wear it again? What if I need to store it? That's really a personal decision. Like I'm never going to tell somebody like, if you're not going to wear it in the next six months, you need to let it go. That's up to you. And kind of my key question in decluttering and holding on to something is if you're holding on to it, is it prohibiting any intention or anything you have in your life that you want? So for example, if you're keeping China dishes from your great grandmother that you don't think you're ever going to use, but like feels weird to get rid of them, that kind of thing. If they're just sitting in a box in your attic, that's not bothering you or your life. Great. Keep them. Like that's totally fine. If you live in a two one and you have three kids and they're sitting at the foot of your baby's bed because you don't have attic space, that's a time to assess. And is it prohibiting you having space to play on the floor with your kid? Like that's an extreme example, but does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Sometimes you need extreme examples though. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. So clothes in your closet, if you have space, great. But if it's stressing you out and every morning is difficult to get ready because you have so many options that don't fit and you're feeling depressed every time you try something on that doesn't fit, that's prohibiting your well-being. Or like if your office is in your closet. (laughs) What? Who does that? (laughs) Who would do that? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So then once you've kind of assessed everything, then you're putting it back in its home. And then my number one recommendation is let things breathe. Enjoy the margin. Have less in your closet for a period of time. Don't fill it back up. Or even decluttering like furniture. We've always had this piece of furniture here and I've always hated it, but we've always had it. I'm letting it go. Don't put a new piece of furniture there immediately. Leave the console table open. Just leave a blank wall for a little bit and just see how that feels. Let the space breathe before you fill it up with something else. That is super deep in the whole scheme of life too. (laughs) Like when you take something out, just be okay with taking it out and letting there be extra space there for you to breathe. We don't have to fill it back up again. Oh my gosh. Yes. I was talking to someone about this the other day about our like Wednesday night group got canceled. And my immediate instinct is to be like, oh, what could I do that night? Instead of like, great. A night off. Yeah. Okay. Those are great. So those are your first two tips. Declutter and let go. Simplify. And then creating systems. And then you have two more tips. Yes. So the third step to creating a space of intention is to craft a style. So that's kind of finding what you need and what you want in your space. And again, I have people ask what's their intention for their space in general. So before simplifying, before doing all of those things, like what do you want more of in life? And that's where crafting your style really comes in. So if you're someone that struggles with depression, I would want your style to represent life and light and joy and hope. And I think color matters in that and simplicity matters in that. Whereas if you're someone who maybe says like ADD, ADHD, super overwhelmed, has seven kids, life is always chaotic. I'd be like, hey, lots of margins, lots of white space, lots of clean surfaces because they're going to fill up. Keep it simple, minimalist look. So that third step is about crafting your style. And again, that's after you 
you've created margin and space. So I think the first thing that people want to do when they're overwhelmed with the amount of junk they have in their house is like, oh, I just want to make it look pretty. I just want to add a new couch and a new rug. I'm like, hey, you know what would look great if you got rid of a lot of this crap, (laughs) you know? So start there. And it's a lot cheaper. Decluttering is free, you know? And then when you get to the part of crafting your style, you'll have a better idea of what you need, what the space has space for and what's needed and what your vision is for the space with a clear slate. And so that stage and process is really about figuring out what your intention is, what you need as far as color and function. Like, like I was saying, do you need a coffee table that you don't have to use coasters for? Do you need a rug that you can throw in the washing machine? Like, What is it that your space needs in regards to your style? And then the fourth step in cultivating a space of intention, and this is actually my favorite step, is just anointing the space. And that can be like a physical prayer or blessing over a physical space, but it can also just be anointing that space with memories and almost like an aura of your family. And so the example I like to use is take a dining table that's been in your family for 60 years, right? That table has been anointed with family memories and laughter and probably some difficult conversations and confrontation, but that table is anointed, right? And carries a story, which is different than going to West Elm and purchasing a brand new table. Nothing wrong with it, but I believe it's our responsibility to then anoint that table and create memories around that table. And so that's kind of the final step in creating a space of intention and what you want your space to be is bringing in those memories into your home to be what you need your home to be. So an example I like to use is I live by myself. I'm single and don't have any kids and I live by myself and that can be lonely and isolating, right? I love to host events in my home. Anything that someone's like, I need a baby shower hoster. I need a place to do this. We need a, you know, a gathering for this, a happy hour, whatever. I love to bring people into my home because I really believe I'm anointing my space with people and memory and laughter and community. And so then on days when I'm in my home by myself, I really feel the like difference in the aura of the space that I'm living in, that it's been anointed by people that I love. I think that's a really important part of of our homes, that our homes are lived in and loved well, and that they're used in ways that we intend to. And that's going to be different for each person. Oh man. Well, I love all of this, Michelle. You have just given me so much to think about. And where can we find that ebook? So the ebook is a pop-up on my website. So just go to cultivateyourspace.com. You'll just put your first name and email in and you'll be sent the ebook. I love that. I'm going to go get it. Yeah, totally. I love that. And it's just a couple pages. It's not like a novel or something. It's like five pages. Well, so tell me, what are you doing right now in your life to cultivate rest or to have some periods of time where you're just living unhurried? Okay. So one thing that I've implemented lately that I feel like has really been a game changer has been before I pick up any device in the morning of any kind, like any technical device, I'm doing something that nourishes my spirit. And that's different each day. Sometimes that's reading. Sometimes that's journaling. Sometimes it's going on a walk or sometimes it's drinking my coffee and staring at a wall. Like if I had any goal in life, it'd be like, I want a life that every single morning I can stare at a wall while I drink my coffee. (laughs) Like a good 25 minutes until the caffeine soaks in, you know, not like four minutes. Just taking space to nourish something in my spirit before picking up a device. Because I found that 
when my phone is the first thing that I do in the morning, like I'm making a cup of coffee and I'm scrolling through Instagram, it sets my day in this like consumer mindset and this, I don't know, like clickbait frame of mind. And I've just found that when it's not the first thing I'm going to, it kind of sets my day off of like, okay, what am I needing? Like, what does my spirit need right now? What is my, what is my emotional mental state need right now? So that's been so good for me. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I have loved chatting with you and I will talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Jen. Guys, I just loved this talk with Michelle. She is incredible. And this interview really touched my heart. There was so much in this that I can apply and add into my life right now. What a sweet, sweet lady. Now, don't forget about the Organize Your Photos Challenge. You can find it in the notes. You can also find all the good and fun stuff we talked about, including a recap of her four steps to cultivate a space that you love with intention and purpose. You can find that on my website. You can find so much more on my website. So make sure you go and check that out. jbrazil.com. Until next time, when we will be continuing our decluttering talk, I will see you on Instagram.